Welcome to the Seneca Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China, coming to you from the pop-up Chinese studio here in Beijing. I'm Kaiser Guo, joined this week as most weeks by my co-hosts Jeremy Goldcorn, the man behind Danway.com, skyping it in from Nashville. How are you, Jeremy? Uh, good morning, Kaiser. I'm doing very, very well indeed. That's、uh, good to hear, Jeremy. And of course, by David Moser, who is academic director of the CET program here in Beijing. How's it going, man? Great. Good to be back. Hey, so I must begin today's podcast with a confession. I have an abiding contempt for the whole genre of self-help, and it's a loathing that I, I find impossible to disguise. And so I'm not even going to really try. I haven't. I've stripped myself bare here. When I see self-help books on the bookshelves of my friends, I feel acute embarrassment for them. If I owned any such titles, I assure you, I would hide them beneath my fucking pornography. I,、uh, I am not sure what it is about the genre that gets me so angry, but I. I don't think I'd go necessarily as far as a group of university professors from South China University of Technology,、uh, who in April of 2010 actually orchestrated a self-help book burning. <laughs>、uh, uh, but if you walk into any bookstore in any Chinese city,、uh, you will see tons of them, and I see only kind of you know. Like dry Tinder. There's a 12-step program to rid you of self-help、uh, addiction. <laughs> really, I should sign up for that. Yeah, that, that's what I should. I should. I need to do that. So, so but what is up with China's fascination?、Uh, I mean, I, I can see the, you know, intellectual purists will will feel something akin to what I do. I mean, I'm sure they they must know there must be something to be done to combat the baneful effect of the self-help flood that I've seen over the decade. But I have to ask you, I mean, what is up with China's fascination for this? What I take to be a very American phenomenon, and what does this tell us about the state of psychological health in contemporary Chinese society? So, with us here to discuss this is Eric Hendricks, a postdoctoral researcher at Peking University and the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands. Eric's doctoral work was in the sociology of the public sphere. He has written about the rise of self-help publications in China and the self-styled gurus behind them in his academic research and in a forthcoming book on the subject. So, welcome to Seneca, Eric. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, great.、Um, so I guess I'll start it off.、Um, what got you interested in this particular topic? Well,、uh, when I was studying, I was studying philosophy at Berkeley、um, around ten years ago, and I, I walked into a bookstore looking for philosophy books. And when I, I walked into the philosophy section, I found it covered with self-help books. <laughs> and I was,、right. I was really、uh, amazed by this. And then I, I lo- started looking I'm, around. I'm from, book- I went to Berkeley. What bookstore was this? <laughs> was it Moe's or Cody's? I, I, or? I think it is in the United States. It's every bookstore that is not an academic bookstore, and and about half of the academic bookstores.、Right. <sighs> yeah. So,、um, so and then I, I saw that the whole bookstore was covered with self-help books. So my first,、uh, my first、uh, intuition was, of course, to、uh, to think that this is a typically you know crazy American thing. But then, when I later, when I went to、uh, when I when I went to China, I, I walked into the book because in Europe this this is not a self help is not a big thing.、And、then when I went to China, I, I saw this Ma Yun staring at me from every cover, every magazine, the same face staring at you. Uh, and I, I, I Jack, noticed Jack Ma for those of you. Yeah, yeah so yeah. funny. I feel the same way. I feel like he's always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I'm his and, direct competitor. So, so, <laughs> so I became interested in I. I became interested in the globalization of this cultural phenomenon because it is so paradigmatically American. It is so surprising that it shows up everywhere around the world, and and that's that's how I got into it. And then I noticed, looking at the scholarship, that all the scholarship was on American self-help, and that the few studies that had been done about the role of self-help culture outside of the United States、uh, was it was very fragmented. 
And you had many scholars who claimed that it was a typical American phenomenon, implying that it was only big in the United States. But expats from around the world can tell you that it has become a thoroughly global phenomenon. And it's, the interesting thing is that it creates all kinds of different cultural conflicts in different nations around the world. Maybe it would be good if we, just for the sake of some people who might be listening, just to list who we're talking about. Yeah, what is the genre? What is self-help? So um, self-help is a very heterogeneous movement. You have, you have dating self-help, how to get rich self-help, how to improve your relationships, uh, how to so become spiritual. Diet. Starting from Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Carnegie uh, uh, the Secret, Rhonda Byrne. Uh, uh, Spencer, Who Moved My Cheese. And uh, even deep, Deepak Chopra and all Deepak these spirituality Chopra, yes, things. Exactly, that right. would be on the on right. the border with religion. Right. And the, um, John Gray, yeah. uh, like men are from Mars are from and women Mars. are from Venus, right? Yes, yes. yes. Which is actually true, by the way. <laughs> actually, you know, that is the only self-help book I've ever owned. It was given to me by uh, um, um, somebody I was dating who, who swore that, you know, it was it was the secret yeah. to understand. I thought, you know, it was the most... Uh, the, Biggest bunch of sexist drivel I'd ever seen, and I just kind of. The interesting thing about this book—that's so male of you. One anyway. of the interesting <laughs> things about this book it is that it became a huge bestseller a few years ago in Saudi Arabia. Wow! Yes, yes. Men are from Mars. Women must remain behind upon, the veil and never drive. Upon, upon the Arab, upon the Arab translation, it immediately became a bestseller in Saudi Arabia. Oh God! So. But I, I identified a number of uh, defining character of or key component strands within the self-help culture. So, of course, it is a uh, it is life advice in the private market. Right. Um. At first, it's it tends to stress the value of positive thinking. Don't complain. Think positively. <laughs> Don't complain about the structure of society. Second, it it tends to have a very individualizing focus, where social problems are f are addressed purely on the individual level, de-emphasizing structural problems, structural problems right. in society and, and, um, di uh, and going against any, any politically active, engaged mentality. Third, it, had it has in the 21st, uh, 20th century become intertwined with uh, popular therapeutic culture and popular psychology. Fourth is the value put on, on discipline. You might be surprised by this because in the marketing of self-help books, they, they offer a quick fix, an easy, an easy, quick solution to all your problems. But then if you actually dig deeper, what the, you find is that it, it requires discipline. a lot of hard work and, uh, and you have to undergo a, a fundamental, you help yourself by undergoing a fundamental self-transformation that requires uh, endless, an endless quest of discipline. And in this, you should guide. You should imitate the self-help guru who has undergone this enlightening self-transformation before you. Right. So I now understand with the bootstrapping and the the rugged individualist mentality why this would very much appeal to the American character. Mm. So what leaves me puzzled is now why this would be so popular now in China. So give us a sense of actually just how big self-help is in China. Well. The first thing you should know about the self uh, self help mar markets around the world is that the big money is in the lectures and the seminars and, uh, the, co right. and the counseling to business clients, and the books are uh, there in terms of revenue they are less important. But of course, for promote the promotion promotional um, they have a huge promotional role for self help gurus. But so we don't have any data about the total size of the self help industry in China. But what we do have is some data on the book market. 
the Chinese self-help book market. What's the percentage of books uh, that would classify uh, would be classified as as, as self-help then in, sold in China? Well, there's a there's a category Wenhua Zhao Yu Lei called cultural teaching, which consists mostly of self-help. And this this make this category makes up thirty four percent of the entire book market. So it would be wow. at up to thirty percent of the Chinese book market would be self help books. Wow. Jeremy is the author I of quite a number of times. Can I ask you a question about how we talk about this in Chinese? My impression was that the word used for self help was slightly different than what is um It's uh, not such a yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, in other words, uh, success studies. The study of being successful is—is is that correct? So, sorry, I didn't—I didn't get right. you quite uh, quite well. Um, the, w what is the terminology used in China? Ah. my impression was that it's usually called chenggongxue, ah. or you know, well, the study of being successful, ah, yeah. which is a slightly different emphasis. The official category that's that's used by Open Books, which is a um, com uh, a company that. Uh, collects uh, statistics about the Chinese book market. The, the term they use is Xin Li Ziju, uh, psychological, psychological self-help. Self right? Psychological mm -hmm. self-help. Ah. Xin Li Ziju, mm -hmm. yeah. But, but, but is, is the common... Uh, well, no, yeah. but Jeremy, I think the, the problem is that this, this area has blurry boundaries. Yeah, very blurry boundaries. Uh, so you're talking about, uh, you know, what you're talking about is a thing. It's definitely maybe more of the Jack Ma well, kind no, it's, of books. It's, it's, it's all part of it's all part of the self help movement. The self help yeah. movement is ex yeah. It is ex I'm just saying, saying just uh, that that Jer what Jeremy's talking about may yeah. be a sub genre that's you know. Yes. Yes. So Eric, um, you said that we don't really have good data on the size, the total size of the market, but yeah. are the the other you know uh, peripheral parts of the self help industry, mm -hmm. such as the television infomercials and the uh, the hotel seminars on weekend mornings for which you pay exorbitant amounts of money to, to be scolded by a guru and inspired are is that part of it um, in China as well is 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 that yes. happening now in China yeah, yeah that's that's uh, there's God there's indications us. that uh, everywhere everywhere I've looked around the world and um, I noticed that the big money is in the the lectures and the private counseling to business clients. Mm -hmm. um, in, uh, in the United States, we have data about the entire self-help industry, very rough data. They are, um, it's worth around, it has an annual revenue of around $10 billion. Wow. Good God. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> That's a lot of self-help on the yeah. part of the people selling the books. Right? The interesting thing, however, which I found in my research is that in Europe uh, and in Germany in particular, you find very little self-help. And it's a much more, a much it's a very marginal phenomenon in Europe, which is surprising because Europe and uh, Germany and the United States are both Western liberal democracies. So when this phenomenon uh, began to spread, you would expect it to spread more easily to to Germany, a country which is in terms culturally of culturally similar. Yeah, in some culturally ways, similar, yeah. and then and, and much uh, much more difficult spreading to to China because of its collectivist socialist history. How could such a collectivist country? Uh, Take in such a paradigmatically American individualistic uh, tradition. That's that's a very that's interesting a question. question. And yet, somehow, for me, if you had asked me to bet, I mean, I, I would have assumed immediately that it wouldn't be particularly popular in in Germany or you know any other parts of say, Northern too. Central me Europe. Too. I mean, I, I, my and, assumption would be that in Europe, people think they're stuck in their place in life and they can't go anywhere. Oh, well, that's <laughs> not the reason. Uh, <laughs> Americans. 
uh, always believe that they can transform their circumstances. And China has a long history of this too. I mean, the imperial examination system um, has allowed, uh, you know, no hope next from the countryside to have a shot at greatness for thousands of years. So, well, I mean, I think I, 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 can I don't, know. I don't know if I would tie it to that tradition so much yeah. as I would simply tie it to China's current economic circumstances, just that, that – China is in the, the midst of, I mean, in the throes of the, well, it's what Evan Osner has called this book, The Age of Ambition. I mean, right. it is. Right. And it's, it's, there's also... Uh, well, that too, it, I don't think you can ignore the cultural traditions, though. But, I mean, obviously this current time of the last, you know, 30 years has been a time where, where, where people do see the opportunity to, to remake themselves and have often adopted... American heroes. I mean, I remember my first year in China in 1995, I, I was teaching English and asked people what they wanted to be uh, in the future. And one of the most common answers was they wanted to be Bill Gates. Of course, um, yeah, Bill Gates, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So now it's Bill yeah. Gates and it's Steve Jobs, and more recently it's Elon Musk, right? right. Or, yeah. Jack, or Jack Ma. Or, right. <laughs> I, my research, I found indications that indeed it is uh, the social economic factor is crucial here. It's, it's, um, it overshadows the cultural history factor mm -hmm. because, in fact, the German self-help industry and the American self-help industry are more dissimilar in terms of not just that, that Germany, the self-help market is much smaller, but also that it's, it's different in, term, in content, whereas the American and Chinese markets are more similar. And I found evidence that this is due... Uh, to the to the existence of the European social welfare state. I, I was going to say that. That was the, exactly right. what I was going to say. You exactly. have the, the commonality in China and the U.S. is you have lots of people with economic insecurity, inequality, and the message you know the message sticks like it, like what's wrong with me? Why are these other people being successful and I'm and I'm failing? And the idea is and the the the, the downplaying of of of, of, of political in, engagement. It's saying, you know, don't worry about the objective condition. It's your problem. You've it's, got to solve your... It's the dark side of meritocracy. It, yeah, right. Jeremy, how does that sound to you? Do you, do you buy that argument? I mean, I, to me, that yes, sounds very yeah, plausible. That, that, yeah, it's, okay, it's think, the, the absence I mean, it of a, of a me, robust the, social those warfare. Those factors. That, yeah. that definitely must be a big factor. That's a, I think that's an incredibly let's, good insight. Let's get some numbers in here. The, uh, the Gini index of, uh, of China is 47, even above... So in terms of income inequality, you mean point uh, four, China, point four seven. Right? Yeah, point four seven. Right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, so the um, so the uh, the income inequality in China is now even above that of the United States. With some thinking that the Chinese are still cooking the books and that the income inequality is even <laughs> much worse. worse. Yeah. Uh, and Germany and and EU in general are much. The income inequality is much lower. That's right. But there's more to this because this this would uh, if there's less like offers. Scholars studying self-help in the United States have already drawn this link between the popularity for self-help and social insecurity. People are desperate, uh, struggling in a an, in an competitive market situation, turn to self-help. But what I also found in looking at Germany is that there is actually an active campaign by political actors and by the church establishment to fight self, the influence huh. of self-help. Huh. So, so you have in Germany, you have people called Sekten, Sektenbeauftragten. They are special experts ex in, uh, who, who combat the influence of charlatans in society. Uh, and this, this is, is why Scientology is, is banned in Germany. Yes. It's wonderful. This, this, is, this is Scientology is banned. And, they, and they, there's a woman in, uh, in, in Hamburg who, is, who leads an anti... She, she used to lead the anti-Scientology task force. 
So they so they go to um, they 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 go to people who are trapped in Scientology and try to save them from the claws of Scientology. But this movement expanded until she she also founded an institution for youth protection more generally, which included protecting the youth against the harmful influence of uh, self-help gurus. And the way the the way social democrats in in Europe frame this, it might be very alien. It might be sound very strange to Americans who don't have this tradition whatsoever. The way they frame it is as Verbraucherschutz and Jugendschutz, so consumer protection and youth protection. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so they, um, uh, so yeah, so they, they, and as there has been, um, there has been uh, attempts by politicians, social democratic politicians in Germany, to uh, fight, fight the influence of self-help gurus, and then often they wouldn't be able to tr- push it through legally, but at least it's, it's a strong indication that there is a, uh, because of the structure, like the social welfare state. Is actively combating its its private market competition from these self help groups. Mm-hmm. Ch- China has this tradition of seem- seemingly I don't know if it's the same socioeconomic roots of the problem, but it's it seems like as long as I can remember since I've been here, there have been successive waves of these 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 rise of of guru type classes. One was the early was the eighties and nineties of the Qigong movement. Sure, you remember the Qigong fever? You were here, right? Of course. The, and there was, you know, my mother in law had, you know, her guru. They read the books and everything, and, and then and then the FLG came along, right? And that the, sort and of and that kind of squelched that. that. But you've had people tend to forget that the, even crazy English like Li Yang, who had this crazy English method. That that was really not about learning English. He was a guru. Right. He, he filled stadiums. Like uh, like like I don't know like like a like an evangelical preacher to Benny Hinn or something you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was all about patriotism and being a better person and you know having a positive attitude it was very much the same thing, mm-hmm. and it seems like that that as these movements if they skirt if they get too popular and they have a message that you know is deemed to be unhealthy then they get squelched but it all a lot just like whack a mole they still come up they pop up again in another form yeah so eric maybe you can talk a little bit about how does the chinese party state respond to the growth of the self-help industry i mean do they see this as like the potential you know like a laying groundwork for heterodoxy for for cults i found no evidence of this I, what i rather found is that they they seem to be a great friend of the self-help industry hmm. interesting because if you um if you think about it the Charis- what they, uh, what you would call the charismatic authorities from the religious field. So I'm using the word charismatic in the Weberian sense, as meaning some leader who claims to have exemplary special powers. These figures, as David uh, told, said, uh, are have indeed been very politically controversial. They're they're dangerous. They're they're threatening the institutional bureaucratic structures. But the self-help version of this, the charismatic teachers in the self-help tradition, are much less. Uh, harmful, da- politically dangerous than their religious uh, uh, equivalents. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I, I, I've, what I found is that a lot of these self-help gurus, such as, for instance, Bishu Min, have very close our party members and have a very close relationship to the party elite. Huh. And the the <coughs> thing is, there there are two. F- you could think about this in two ways. You could either think that there's a sort of a smoky room scenario <laughs> in which the the party elite is sitting together thinking. We're going to apply young people in China with the self-help stuff to divert them from having a socially informed, politically active perspective on social issues. We're going to, we're going to divert them with this individualiz- individualizing approach. But another, another way of looking at it is simply that China is in a spir- has a spiritual vacuum right now as socialist 
socialist ideology has disappeared from public life and the Chinese traditions have been very has been have been damaged during the Cultural Revolution and now the Chinese uh, institutionalized religion which is the, would be the main competitor of self-help gurus are actively marginalized by the party and kept out of the public sphere so what you what you have left then and which is most po politically convenient for the party elite is these self-help gurus Interesting. But I, I would mention one thing though which is in terms of religious it seems like if you go to the the, the, the Chinese airports along the self, alongside the self-help books in Jack Ma you see you see Buddhist monks that's like two categories and they're in the same bookshelf and it seems like there this, I've written a little bit about this there's been a rise of lay Buddhism among young people especially and there are all these gurus that have their they're following they have a, they have a Weibo up you know presence uh, and they have these books but but that's interesting from what you're saying because what precisely is different about these Buddhist masters is they're very depoliticized it's not a matter of politics it's a very safe religious practice because it, it, it again it focuses inward it, not on external socioeconomic issues so, so so they're quite open and, and free yeah. to, to get acolytes yeah, okay. and it, it strikes me as interesting because it, it is a religious uh, so it is a, it is the equivalent of a sort of oh, it has Christian. many characteristics in common I think um, with with religion yeah, there is this there's this uh, there seem to be this line of parallel phenomena not just with Buddhism but also with Confucianism mm -hmm. if you're thinking for instance about Judan yes who basically reinterprets Confucius as a chicken soup for the soul chicken kind of, for, right, right, soup right. for the soul American style self help coach who teaches you to think positively don't complain too much. Right. And uh, and that will that will lead you to happiness easily easily. So the uh, when Yudan was criticized uh, by various uh, intellectuals, I, I I've yet to meet any intellectual or scholar who uh, takes her seriously who doesn't right. who, who doesn't take offense at her take on Confucianism. Right. Uh, what you find is that they criticize Yudan in the exact same way that uh, critics from the left in the United States criticize self help gurus. So the, the way that uh, American critics such as Mickey McGee and Barbara Edenreich uh, criticize, criticize American self-help for being individualizing and distracting from social policy, uh, you, will, you will hear, um, for instance, you will hear criticisms by uh, Daniel Bell, uh, professor of uh, political <laughs> philosophy at Tsinghua University, who you had on the show, if I'm not mistaken. No, we've not had no, him no, on the uh, show. And, and, uh, and, Leo Sh no, and, and Leo Shobo, the... Who we also have not yet. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he can't be reached right now. Let, but. let, me, let me kick in some, uh, some nice, nice uh, quote little, uh, here. From, yeah, okay, from, we're going to uh, quote Leo Shobo here. That's great. All right. Yudan, Leo Shobo. Yudan is a pseudo-scholar with a sales pitch that combines tall tales about the ancients with insights that are about as sophisticated as lyrics of pop songs. <laughs> It's funny. I was just, you know, sharing lyrics so, so of pop songs. So with he's David. being very yeah. subtle. It's, he's being very subtle about it. But I think if you read between the lines, you see he's being critical towards. No, it. obviously he's <laughs> being very, very critical. <laughs> you don't need to read between the lines. So I, I have a couple of questions. I mean, Jeremy and David, you, you and me, we, we've all spent a lot of time in Chinese bookstores, and I know I was talking to Eric beforehand. He doesn't really have great data on this, but I'm curious, just from our, our anecdotal evidence, what are the subgenres of self-help books that are particularly popular in China? Um, what are some of the most successful titles? Jeremy, why don't you start us off? What do you, what do you tend to see when you walk around Chinese bookstores? Danway looks well, a lot at me. I, uh, the, when this previously, that always amuses me the most. The uh, business secrets of the Jewish people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I have a nice, a nice quote on that one, too. Oh, yeah, let's hear that one. Yeah. <laughs> 
while you brought that up. Yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's one of the the wonderful things about China is it's just this utter unselfconsciousness consciousness about making these racist, <laughs> racist you know, completely you know essentialist cat- yeah, yeah. characterizations. So, so this one is a really good one. It's it's from the cover of uh, Thou Shall Prosper by the American rabbi Daniel Lapin, uh-huh. uh, from t- book from 2009. And I think he didn't put it on the cover. It's the, the it's probably pirated version and the, the Chinese publisher put it on the cover. It says, the Jews are the richest people in the world and they are known across the world as the wisest people. Relating to the wealth of the Jews, there is a classical saying. The money of the Jews is in the Americans' pockets. But the money of the Americans is in the pockets of the Jews, <laughs> and, then, and then of course you get a you you get a book uh, revealing the, the 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 dark secrets of the Jewish people, and now you can also use it for your own career as a Chinese person. That's awesome, awesome, uh, Jeremy. There's another genre that I run across an awful lot, which is um, sort of trying to take uh, Chinese classical literature. Um, and usually it's stuff, you know, like the 36 stratagems or it's Sun Bingfa, you know, the, the art of war or, or, uh, three kingdoms and applying, you know, lessons from of those to, to, to business, business as warfare, that, that standard metaphor that you, you encounter so often. Right. Uh, what are some of the other ones you've seen, David? Well, one thing you see in the bookstores and, uh, and also bookstores that have uh, DVD or, uh, you know, audiovisual material. And this this is where it intersects with you, Dan, and it's some, also something brilliant that that is in your paper that I hope would be listed at the end of our podcast at the at the references. Right, <clears throat> is that uh, there's this movement now that's very state funded and 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 uh, supported, which you, Dan, is a part of, which is this blending of what they call guoxue, which is traditional culture, which includes things like the thirty six stratagems and stuff, with self help. So there's a lot of interest in Chinese philosophy, including including not just Confucianism, but Taoism and, and Zhuangzi and everything like that. And then also uh, classical literature, uh, you know, Sima uh, Qian, the, the, the Book of History, and stuff like that. But with a but with a modern update, they always update it and they they make it applicable, just like Yu Dan does. They take like taking the Bible and, and updating it and putting it into yeah. daily life. And these things are so seduct. Some of the some of these. Uh, these uh, these gurus—they're not really gurus, but they're experts. They're they're scholars. They're academicians, and they give them these you know multi-part series that they're sold in bookstores. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, are really very well done. They're excellent speakers. They're excellently researched, and some are just pure. You know, it's something about calligraphy. But then other things like you done blend into this self-help genre mm-hmm. where they're really talking to how to be a better person, mm-hmm. and it's popularized Zhuangzi, it's popularized Tao Te Ching, yeah. popularized, mm-hmm. it. Well, and those are very subtle, and but uh, those are huge sellers. Yeah. I mean, they huge, are uh, very popular. Over over eleven million uh, bought her book, yeah, uh, her Confu- book. Confucianism from the Heart in uh, China alone. It became also an international bestseller. Yeah. Who is buying these books? That's my other question. Uh, again, I, I asked, I was talking to Eric before the show. I guess you don't really have great data on on who the actual you know people you know what strata of chinese society what income range but maybe we get a sense for that maybe we could sort of speculate about that um again purely anecdotally jeremy why don't you what's your sense who who's the target audience for the self-help guru in china well um you know uh, i had uh, an employee at Dunway some years ago who started going to uh an underground church and um he never actually caught, got religion. 
he just kind of was bored and wanted company. And w- what he was telling me about his experience was that he realized, and he tried a few of few different underground churches, and he realized that the ones that he'd gone to were more like kind of self-help sessions. Um, <laughs> they were kind of motivational. Uh, and the typical uh, attendee was somebody who was from outside of Beijing, uh, was I suppose what you could call lower middle class, aspiring middle class, someone who worked an office job but didn't have a lot of money but hoped to. Uh, and uh, to lift the American was a little dream. bit lonely. <laughs> Um, you know, many of them were single men uh, who, who didn't have a girlfriend or a wife. Um, so, I mean, that would seem to be like an obvious category of person who might also buy books like this. People who are a little bit lost in the big city uh, and trying to figure out how to make it. Mm-hmm. As I was doing preparation for a, um, a conference that my, my boss, um, our CFO, is, is going to take part in, I was... Uh, Looking at 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 uh, some of the other companies that are represented, other people on the panel, uh, two of them, one from the Home Shopping Network, uh, and another from a company called Deal Dash, and I hadn't really seen anything about what Deal Dash was, and it, it it turns out that it's it's this sort of auction site where you have to actually buy bids, and then you know you you can supposedly get these you know massive steals and deals on on you know plasma screen televisions. I only paid four hundred dollars for this you know ten thousand dollar television, uh, and what struck me was that the, the the advertising featured all it was all women and they were all distinctly overweight um they they, they you know all middle aged um, they were they, the, everything that they showed was was i mean it was so cynically turned it was aimed at a particular type of of person i'm um you know imagining that uh, a lot of self help in america is also is is done that way in china here though um my my distinct sense i mean jeremy you're right i mean it's it's these it's it's people who they they know are are really hungry to get ahead and uh, I have this I have this one picture in me that pops up in my head right now. I this is when I I really started to distrust self help as a culture when I really started to see self help as a symptom of social problems. It was when I I was I was living at the University of Chicago and this was this Mexican woman single mother um, in in the sandwich store in my favorite sandwich store she was selling sandwiches all day and I think she had multiple jobs and she was overweight and she was obviously not doing very well but she told me that her favorite book was the secret the secret is the secret is the dumbest book that has ever been written in history it teaches <laughs> it says that if you think positively you can literally accomplish anything so you can literally just sit on a, on a chair and think yourself rich and uh, she told me, and when I when she told me that, and I saw her real life conditions, I saw her there slaving away in that sandwich store, uh, reading this book about how she could become a billionaire if she only thinks positively, and ah, and every time she, you know, she just happened to think a negative thought, and but it's just on the horizon. I, it seemed like it seemed very sad to me. I, I yes. saw that I saw it as a reflection of of, of desperation. Mm-hmm. It's people functioning in a hyper competitive market uh, environment. Who are who are who are desperately struggling and need something to cling on to? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. 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 That captures captures it pretty well. So here's a question then: um, uh, What about Tim Ferriss, uh, the author of the Four Hour Work Week and the Four Hour Body Beach Body or whatever? And basically, a bunch of books which 
uh, sort of more in the guise of like business books, but appear to try to teach you how to cheat at life and uh, <laughs> succeed without really putting in any work. <laughs> Do you count that as a self-help book? Well, self-help is a very um, heterogeneous and heteronymous uh, field. Sorry to use a technical term here. Heteronymous would mean hetero from mixed and uh, and from nomos from names. from the from names from laws. So it 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 has it's it's not a unit. It's not a it's mono, not a monolithic field. It 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 shades into pop, uh, popular psychology, uh, popular philosophy, uh, business. Uh, and and actually, right. yeah, uh, just think Venn diagrams, right. well, overlapping I mean, they, Venn diagrams. But it's, it's, yeah. it shades. I think that's the better way to, yeah. to put it. Like, yeah. Yeah, it. It really does shade into. I I had no, have no hesitation whatsoever. And religion, of course. Right, religion, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I'm reminded when you were talking about about the secret um, in the 1980s in California, there was a very popular quasi Buddhist sect uh, called NSA. Uh, that believe that you could simply chant one mantra, Namyoho Renge Kyo, and oh, yes. think about a VCR like that, or a BMW, yeah. and then you would. Uh, a lot of these. I and mean, they were play, called NSA. Yeah, they were called. Isn't that scary? <laughs> <That's just laughs> scary. This is uh, this is also the, like as you say, as you suggest, it's very much tied to uh, the demands and popularity of self-help is very much tied to very materialistic culture. That's right. And if you look at if you look at a country like Germany, where People are more sheltered by the social welfare state and therefore freed up to care less about material concerns. You see not only that self-help, uh, the self-help book market is much smaller and self-help gurus have a much less prominent place in the public sphere and self-help as a whole is a much more a controversial uh, cultural phenomenon. But you, but what you also find is that the, 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 the topics are different. In Germany, health and spirituality are the, are the big topics and business gurus are virtually non-existent. No one in Germany is trying to get rich. You never hear a German say, or a Dutch person in my, my home country, say, I want to get rich. Here in China and also in the US, you hear this a lot. Yeah, right, right. Right. Interesting. This, 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 I've always said Americans and Chinese are basically the this, same. This is why the, the China dream and the American dream are really similar in a lot of, right. <laughs> a lot They're of all ways. Fundamentally materialistic, yeah, right? right. Listen, um, I want to ask one more question here about, uh, you know, we talked about Americans and we talked about Chinese. And so we've, we've talked about a few, you know, homegrown Chinese self-help gurus, people like you, Dad. What about um, the popularity of foreign ones? I mean, I see quite a, a few tra titles in translation, for example, the whole cheese thing, the whole, you know, who moved. I don't even know what the <laughs> fuck that means, who moved my cheese. What is cheese, the metaphorically? Okay, cheese is... Uh, cheese is your entitlement, something you were attached to, something you were very happy with. Okay. And it's taken away from you. And now you can do two things. You can complain about it and be sad all day long and be a little loser. Or you can reinvent yourself and find new cheese. <laughs> and, uh, and that sums it that sums it up. Like there's nothing more to it. It's it's a rather simplistic idea. Right. But uh, but uh, interestingly enough, there was a whole hype in China after uh, Spencer Johnson published. Uh, it was after the Mandarin translation came out, and there were these copycats. All over the there were these there were these absurd copycats. You had a whole list. You had a whole list of uh, Chinese self help authors publishing books with cheese in the title. But Ch Chinese <laughs> so, don't even so, like cheese. So I'm not I'm not kidding. These are some titles that showed that showed up in the in the in the months after. Uh, who moved my cheese became a bestseller. Whose cheese can I move? <laughs> I don't want to move your cheese. Who dares move my cheese? Whose cheese am I about to move? <laughs> Learn to make your own cheese. No one can can ever move my cheese. 
and you have this, but you have this whenever there's an American bestseller hitting hitting yeah. China, you will have you will have a dozen of these copycat titles. Yeah, which 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 shows that. Well, which sh shows that China is a Shanghai <laughs> culture. They, they, they're geniuses at copying things. Yeah, well. <laughs> so who are the popular uh, foreign ones? And then there's also maybe an interstitial kind of uh, – there's the Taiwan uh, oh, gurus. Yeah. You know, the, the, my friend Li Kaifu, actually, he's, he, you know, he's somebody who definitely you know, dispenses self-help advice. I uh, tend to maybe think a little more highly of him. I mean, he really is a very smart guy, but uh, – who who are some of the um the, the 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 Taiwan and then some of the foreign ones and what's what are the roles what's what role does Taiwan play and uh... so very popular ones would be Daniel Goleman EQ uh, so emotional emotion notion of emotional intelligence which yeah which is just um, bullshit Rhonda Byrne the secrets Eckhart Tolle the New Age self help uh, we would have oh and we would have uh, Tal Ben Shahar from Israel. Uh, on positive positive psychology, and uh, Aaron Aaron Katz from uh, from Israel. Um, so these never uh, heard of those. Did neither have I. No, well, of course that's that, not a, a genre I particularly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then you have um, on the uh, so so in the Taiwan you have it's very well represented. Uh, it's uh, Li Kaifu yeah. and Liu Yong. Liu Yong, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, these these came in when the Chinese uh, self help industry emerged. It's a very new field when it emerged in the nineties. Um, these Taiwanese gurus were there immediately invaded the whole field. Um, Just like they invaded advertising in the music industry and everything. <laughs> but but the but uh, eventually the Mandarin homegrown fields started picking up steam. The proportion of uh, of ma native mainland yeah, yeah mainland native self help uh, best self help bestsellers has has grown significantly. Um, we are we are talking in the Originally, 45% of self-help were foreign titles. Uh-huh. And, and, and um, right now, it's only 20 to 30%. Okay. And I interviewed, um, I interviewed the editor of, um, the feature editor of the book, uh, of the magazine Psychologies, uh -huh. the Chinese edition of Psychologies. And she also said that originally, like, they first started out uh, with, only, with only copying the foreign, the foreign items. And eventually, 90% was locally produced. And she says, as our Chinese team matured and attained a deeper understanding of the value of our work, we began to run more localized topics. So, so basically, the, there's, still, there's still a lot of copying going on. And if there's American self-help uh, self bestsellers coming to China, it's a really big deal. But the native Mandarin uh, mainland field has really picked up steam in the last five, five, ten years. Interesting. Very interesting. <clears throat> well, folks, I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward very much forward to reading the full book. Uh, I, we we got a little sneak peek of it. We ha we were able to to read the uh, the forward and the conclusion to the book, um, but not the immediate. What when do you expect that this will be published? I expect it to be published this summer. My book is titled "Knowledge Wars: The Global Competition Between uh, Between Self Help Gurus and Institutional Authorities." So I trace, I specifically compare Germany and China, and I specifically look at all the cultural, the cultural conflicts fought out in the public sphere between, on the one hand, institutionalized authorities, religion, uh, philosophy, psychology, academia more generally, uh, health, um, health experts, and then on the other hand, the self-help gurus coming coming in from the private market, and I I try to do two things in my book: argue first that self-help has become a global phenomenon. 
-hmm. And second, that it shouldn't be understood as a as a phenomenon concentrically focused on the West. It's not in any way a Western phenomenon. Rather, it is a global phenomenon. And insofar as there are important divisions, they tend to run along socioeconomic lines instead of cultural historical lines. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, and my book is not published now. Uh, but if 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 <laughs> so, if you listen to this uh, after, let's say September 2015, then you can you can get my book and also get the ebook. But if you're listening to this podcast before that, please feel free to write me an email, and I could. I could send you some of the papers I'm, I'm about to publish and my introduction to my book. Great. We'll make sure to put your email address on our podcast page and then our readers can, our listeners can, can, can reach out to you. Thanks. That'd be great. Uh, so at the end of our program, uh, we, we, we have make recommendations of something that we've come across recently. And, uh, as is our, our, our custom, we will begin with Jeremy. What do you have for us this week, Jeremy? Uh, I have a uh, excellent new blog um, called Chublik Opinion, uh, not particularly euphonious name, but uh, I love that Chublik. No, no, I've, I've been reading that. It's great. Opinion with Chinese characteristics, um, and it's written by uh, a Chinese Martin, guy, yeah. I believe, um, looking at um, public opinion most is expressed on the internet uh, about a variety of different subjects. And one of the more recent pieces that uh, first drew my attention to it was uh, titled Ching An, The Disappearance of Authority and a Billion Member Grant. That was an amazing piece. Really great. The best piece I, I read on the uh, killing by a, a police officer in the northeast of uh, a guy in a train station, a rather complicated and difficult to understand event that has... Uh, uh, being very controversial in China. So chablicopinion.com, very, very nice to see. Yeah, I think the, the author's name is uh, Ma Tianjie. Yeah. Uh, very good, very good. Yeah, I, I, was, I had planned on recommending that at some point as well. Uh, I second that one heartily. David, what do you have for us this week? Um, a little on language. Uh, first of all, there's a, a couple of things. One is a, a nice infographic on South China Morning Post that's just called A World of Languages and How, how Many Speak Them. And it's a nice, clean infographic that shows you, you know, first of all, the Sinitic languages, Chinese, just kills. It, it's just the big, the yeah, big it dog. It's huge. Uh, and then what's interesting is the, the amount of people learning English as opposed to the amount of people actually speaking Sinitic languages. It's, it's so clear. Those, those, two, those are the pig, two big dogs in the fight. Right. You know? like, right. It's pretty amazing. But then... Also, a great site called uh, endangerednlanguages.com. And that one, they're all in Papua New Guinea, right? <laughs> no, actually a lot uh, are, uh, in, some, some are in China, if you consider a, a topelect or a dialect, a language, sure. they're dying out. But what's great about this site, endangerednlanguages.com, is they've got in the resources page, they've got lots of YouTube videos of various things that are just stories of, you know, marginal or dying out languages. So you have things like, you know, people speaking Gaelic or Hawaiian. You have cooking lessons in obscure languages. Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace in Apache. Well, you know, Hong Kong sign language, which I didn't even know existed. You know, is it really loud and kind of abrasive? <laughs> yeah, even though it's sign language. Yeah. So I mean, it's a great. Uh, and also, just as a side, we might as well throw in uh, a phonemica or a phonemica, phonemica. Yeah, phonemica. Net, great. Yeah, yeah. Which is still out there, and we did a podcast on it. Uh, we did, time, and, it's, and it's still great. So. Fabulous. Check it out before those languages die out. <laughs> Eric, what do you have for us this week? I would like to recommend the individualization of Chinese society by 
Professor Yan Yun Shang uh-huh. of the Cultural Anthropology Department of UCLA. He wrote a uh, book <coughs> about the um, the rise of individualism in Chinese social relationships and identity formation. And most provocatively, he also there's also a section in which he discusses this troubling phenomenon of Chinese uh, Chinese people, t- bystanders, not helping out in case of um, horrible traffic accidents. Mm-hmm. And why is this? And he he tries to uh, explain this 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 form of narrow-minded selfishness uh, in his in his book. And I thought it was I won't I won't tell you uh, what his explanation is. I won't yeah, give it away. But I, I thought it was very I thought it was very uh, thought provoking. Yeah. It's the influence of self-help. Uh, I, I certainly hope I certainly hope that's not true but of course there are, there are like there are uh, this the, the rights of self-help in Chinese society is part of the, in, the the broader individualization of Chinese society absolutely I couldn't agree more I am going to recommend uh, something not specifically China related all of this a lot in here that, that that does look at China every year Mary Meeker who's currently with the uh, the venture capital firm Kleiner Perkins Caulfield Buyers K PCB uh, does this internet trends uh, report. It's uh, usually, you know, some edging up on 200 slides in this one, but it is just chock full of, of interesting data uh, looking at what's happening in the internet globally today. Uh, all the, the new interesting trends that are happening. Uh, just so many uh, well-sourced st- statistics in this thing. She's been doing this for um, for many, many, many years now. Originally, with um, when sh- when she was an analyst for the sector uh, at Morgan Stanley, uh, Mary Meeker's uh, internet report. It was just published May twenty seventh, twenty fifteen. Check it out. It's at kpcb.com slash internet trends. Uh, very, very useful report. And with that. I bid you adieu. Uh, thank you so much, Eric, for coming oh, it's on. It's great to be here. Fascinating topic, fascinating topic. Jeremy, and uh, as always, good to hear from you, man. Yeah, good to be back on the show from afar. Things are things are good out there? Things are very good in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, well, I'm going to be in the States for a couple, or more than a month this summer, so I don't know if I'll get to the East Coast, but I hope I can entice you into a trip to sunny California at some point. And uh, David, great to see you, man. Yeah. And we'll hang again next week, man. Great. Okay, hey, take care and uh, see you folks next week. Bye bye.